Jesus, we love you. You are worthy of it all. We thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. God, I thank you for each person here in this room. Thank you for the life represented and everything that's going on in it. Lord, the highs and the lows, the good and the bad, we thank you that you're faithful over it all. We thank you for a steadfast love and an enduring love this morning. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would be with us this morning. Would you speak to every heart? God, I ask that as we open your word, you would speak straight to us, Lord, in a way that changes us this morning. God, I ask that what you do in us and in this room this morning would impact what happens in our own lives this week and for the rest of our lives. God, I ask that you would speak something significant to each and every one of us this morning. God, I ask that this would be a day that we put down in our calendar like, wow, that was a day where God spoke to me. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, to do whatever you want to do. Lord, would you do the things that only you can do? Would you move us to you? Would you shape us and renew our minds to be like you? We love you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Give somebody a high five, a hug as you take a seat this morning. Big smile on your face. Mm. Thank you, worship team. They serve us faithfully, don't they? Awesome, awesome. Good morning, everybody. Ha-ha! You guys are here this morning. I love that. Go ahead and pull out your Bibles and something to take notes with. If you don't have a Bible with you, we'd love to give one to you. Um, if you'll just raise your hand. It feels bold to raise your hand, I know, but it's not that bold. You just need a Bible. We'll give it to you for free. If you don't own one or you just don't have one this morning, we'd love to give one to you. Um, pull out your Bibles. Open up to Matthew chapter 28. Anybody got something for notes this morning? Yep. Awesome. Anybody else other than my dad? <laughs> you guys ready to hear from God? Awesome. Matthew 28 is where we're going to spend our time this morning. When we get there, we're starting a series this morning called 50 More Days. Everybody say more. more. 50 more days. 50 more days this morning. Last week, uh, we celebrated Easter, the resurrection of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm encouraged by Jesus' resurrection. Are you? We celebrated that, and uh, we talked about how on the cross on Friday, Jesus tells us that it is finished. The power of sin in our lives, it's finished. The power of discouragement, despair, hopelessness, the power of all of these things over our lives, that power, it's finished. On Sunday, we celebrate that it is finished, but it's not over. When Jesus raised from the grave and came out of his tomb, he declares to us that, yes, those things are finished, but your life, it's not over. We're just getting started. We're just getting started. It's finished, but it is not over. Your new life in Jesus just begins at Easter. Amen? And because it's finished and because it's not over, we talked about how Easter is not a celebration of the pinnacle of, of Christianity, the pinnacle of history. It's not a pinnacle. It's a launching pad. I think sometimes we can look at Easter and we think, man, that's as good as it gets. But Jesus is saying, no, this is just the beginning. It's just the beginning because it's finished, but it, it's not over. It's not the pinnacle. It's the launching pad. We also mentioned at the end of our time last week that we're going to be beginning this series, 50 more days. And uh, we referenced a verse in, chap in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, that tells us that after Jesus raised from the dead, he spent 40 days appearing to people. That would have been fun. He was dead, but now he's not, and he starts showing up into locked rooms, walking through walls, fish are appearing on fires. It's incredible stuff, and it's all in the Bible. You can read it for yourselves. 40 days, 40 days of visiting people, but he wasn't just visiting them. He was proclaiming the kingdom of God, which is fascinating that apparently after his life and his death and his resurrection, there was still more 
to get across. There was still more to preach. He spent three years preaching, but he wasn't finished. He needed these 40 more days to tell them about the kingdom of God. At the end of these 40 days, he ascends into heaven. His disciples see him ascend into heaven, but he doesn't leave them before making them a serious promise. He says, I want you to wait in Jerusalem uh, because I'm going to send you my spirit, the very spirit of God. Absolutely incredible. I'm going to send you my spirit to live, to live with you. This promise that he made to them, it wasn't just a promise for the 11 disciples or the people that were on the mountain that day. It's not just a promise for them. It's, it's a promise for you. It's a, it was the fulfillment of a new covenant. The new covenant. And Jesus, before he was crucified, said, I'm going to make a new covenant with you. I'm going to make a new covenant with you. And his death and his blood spilling was the fulfillment of that covenant. Now the Spirit of God can come and live in them. It may sound a little funky, but the point is that Christianity isn't a religion. It's a covenant. It's not just an idea to follow. It's a covenant. Because Jesus' death and his resurrection, they weren't just an act of kindness. He wasn't just a guru that did something nice for his followers. He was God in the flesh making a commitment to you, making a commitment to people to be in relationship that would find itself in fulfillment when his spirit himself would live inside of us. It sounds crazy, but we believe it. The spirit of God living inside of us. So I don't know if you've caught it yet, but I know this is the intro, but I'm preaching a good message this morning. You're allowed to be encouraged because we're already, we're already on fire because we're talking about the Spirit of God living in you. That's encouraging. So are you ready for some more? Because I hope even though it's the intro, we don't want to miss the good news even in the intro. Amen? So 40 days, he tells people about his kingdom. He ascends into heaven after making this promise that... In the flesh, I am leaving you, but I am going to send you my very spirit to live inside of you and empower you to do the things that you saw me do in even greater things. Incredible. 40 days. But then still, 10 days later, it happens. 10 days later, it happens on a day called Pentecost, a festival that has already worked into the Jewish calendar but took a whole new meeting that year when the Spirit of the living God came to live inside of not just 120 people in a room, but every follower of Jesus for the rest of history. The Spirit of God came to dwell inside of us. 40 days to preach the kingdom, 10 days until Pentecost, 50 more days after the resurrection to preach the kingdom, to get his point across, to explain to us the beginnings of what it might mean for you and for me that it's finished, but it is not over 50 more days 50 more days that mean we don't celebrate easter and stay there it means that as followers of jesus we i guess can really actually follow jesus live our lives walking after him so we're taking the next seven weeks beginning last sunday if you count last sunday up until where we're going to end it's like 50 days 49 days 50 days seven weeks however you want to count it Depending on how you count the moon and the sun, you know, we'll round it to 50, right? Just for the sake of the graphic. Does that sound good? <laughs> 50 days. We're taking these seven weeks, including this week, to discuss what it means, what these 50 more days mean for your everyday. That's the real point. What do these 50 more days have to do with me? What do these 50 more days have to do with you? What do these have to do with your everyday? And last week, I, I encouraged you, and, and, I'll, and I'll say it again, that I don't want you to miss a single one of the next seven weeks. Not saying they're going to be the best sermons you ever heard in your life, but I think this concept of, wait, God, maybe there's more. 
if we can ask that question in our hearts, it creates space for God to speak in a powerful way. And I believe God's going to speak to uh, each one of us as a, as a church and individually. I think that if, if we'll show up for the next seven weeks, we might just get more than we bargained for. And so I don't want you to miss out. So I encourage you to, to make it here for each of the next seven weeks. It's sort of just an act of saying, okay, God, maybe, I, maybe you've never made it to seven weeks in a row to church before. But, Lord, here, I'll give you these seven weeks. Would you, would you just do something? You know, not a doesn't have to look like anything I want it to look like, but would you come and would you speak something to me? What do your 50 more days have to do with my everyday? Can we ask that question? Yeah. So we're in Matthew chapter 28. Is anybody there yet? Yeah. Giving you a long runway. So even if you had to look at the table of contents, you can still make it there. Matthew uh, 28. This is where we, we spent our time last week, so it's a little bit of a repeat. Um, but we're going to read a few verses here. This is the story of the resurrection. Uh, some women have gone, some women who follow, were followers of Jesus have gone to the tomb to anoint his dead body with spices. They come to the tomb. The stone is rolled away. Jesus isn't there, but angels are. It's different than what they thought, but it's happening. And we pick up the story here in verse chapter 5 with um, an angel speaking to the women. Are you at 28.5? Awesome. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. Everybody say Galilee. Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly. I mean, I guess when an angel shows up, you do what the angel says. So... Hasn't happened to me yet, but now that we all know, if that happens to any of us and he tells you to do something, just do it. So you learned something in church today. Way to go. <laughs> Verse 8. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. And Jesus, behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and they took hold of his feet and they worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. Everybody say Galilee. Galilee. And there they will see me. Go to Galilee. You know that feeling uh, when you just got to go? You got to go. Like you're in a conversation with somebody, especially maybe somebody you're not great friends with, and you're trying to become friends, but then you say something really awkward, and you're like, oh, I got to go. Uh, sorry, like my mom's calling, you know, whatever. You just got to go, or you wake up late, and you're supposed to be at a meeting, and that feeling of like terror, anger, scared, I don't know, all of those things, like you just got to go, you know what I'm talking about? Or maybe what you actually thought of when I said when you got to go, when you got to go. <laughs> you know when you got to go. Um, I'm going to tell you a story as I remember it of when I had to go. I was like six or seven years old, and uh, I loved baseball growing up. I still love baseball, love to play baseball. Um, I'm a professional baseball player on the side, so it's pretty cool. <laughs> um, so... I'm like seven, six or seven years old playing a little league baseball, and um, at that point, the coolest position to play was first base because you had the highest chance of actually getting the ball because most of the time the ball has to get to first base. So if you wanted to touch the ball, being at first base was your best bet. There were no assigned, oh, sorry, there were no assigned positions at this time, so at the, um, at the turn of every inning, the coach would gather all the little leaguers aside and he'd say, okay, you're going to go to shortstop, you're going to go to right field, you're going to whatever, you're going to go to first base. And so you kind of changed every inning. And this inning, I got picked to play first base. And uh, it may not have been the best position, but I was convinced it was the best position. So I've been waiting all game, and I was so excited to play first base. So we go out there. If you've ever been to a Little League game, it's impossible to get anybody out because 
you're like six, you know, and nobody knows what to do. So the innings are eternal, is my point. So I'm standing at first base, and all of a sudden, like, I got to go. And I'm standing out on first base, and I'm like, okay, I have to go to the bathroom so bad. But I finally got picked to play first base. Like, I can't blow this. I'm, what if I don't get a chance again? And if I tell coach I have to stop, he'll probably pull me in. What if he never lets me come back to first base again? So I'm like, I'm just going to hold it. So I'm trying to hold it, I'm trying to hold it. Nobody's getting out, and finally I got to go so bad that I just on first base, just go. Just pee all over myself. And I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs> I had to go, you know. And So I think I just kind of, there was woods right next to this, the field, and so I just run off of first base and just disappear from the field into the woods. This is I remember it, so it, who knows how accurate this is. But in my head, this is what happened. I run into the woods, I'm like hiding, I'm trying to like figure out uh, well, I came out here to go, but I already went, so now what do I do? I'm just in the woods. And, you know, so I, I remember my dad came out to the woods like, what's going on? And I'm like, I didn't want to go off first base, but I really had to go, and now I went, and here we are. And so he's trying to help me out, and so we just kind of, like, walked through the woods around the, around the diamond, and uh, we just all, me and my family, and my mom, I think maybe you were there, we left. We just, just leave. And um, in my head, that went really well, actually. I, in my head, I was like, nobody knows what happened. <laughs> I think that was like the grace of God keeping me from a scarring <laughs> experience in life. I didn't really realize until probably like 10 years later, like, you know what? Everybody knew exactly what happened. <laughs> but I never thought about it again. So anyways, I had to go. But you know the feeling when you got to go, right? You know the feeling when you got to go. You have that urge you just got to go, uh, the feeling, the, the unction, the desire, you, you got to go. You, you know the feeling where you're in, you're in one place doing one thing, but you, are, but you need to be in another place doing another thing, right? I, I, I just, I got to go. I got to go. So I want you to just like say it with me, I got to go. I got to go. Touch your neighbor and say, you got to go. You got to go. You know the feeling of, of you got to go. And so I want to preach to you this morning. I want you to write this at the top of your notes from uh, this thought, you got to go to Galilee. You got to go to Galilee. I want you to write that at the top of your page. 50 days, part one, you got to go to Galilee. You got to go to Galilee. Matthew 28, Jesus appears to some women on the road. They are expecting to anoint his dead body and instead they run into his living body. He knows, uh, or he, he runs into these women, <clears throat> and he says, hi, and then he says, I want you to go tell my disciples something. I, I have a message to get to my disciples, because Jesus knew that they were in one place doing one thing, but he wanted them to be in another place doing another thing. They had to go, and Jesus needed to get the message across that they didn't know it, but they they had to go. They were in a room in Jerusalem, scared, confused, sad. They're mourning. They're probably angry and frustrated and a little bit lost. They're, they're just trying to figure out what to do next because the man that they had totally sold out for as the Messiah, the one sent from God, they had just watched him be arrested, tried, crucified, and killed for real, no doubt. He was dead. So they're at the end of their road. You ever been at the end of your road? The end of the rope, just like, I don't know what to do next. This didn't just go like I thought it was going to go. And I'm, I'm totally, totally at the end of your road, you know? Like, something doesn't go the way it was supposed to go. 
Maybe it was somebody, someone that you were getting to know or somebody wasn't who you thought that they were going to be and it just kind of left you, left you hanging. You, you failed at somebody, you, th- you failed at something you thought you were going to succeed at. You, you weren't anticipating this kind of failure. You weren't anticipating that business got not going that way. That relationship didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. That TV show you just binge watched, it didn't end like you thought it was going to end, you know, like but it's over, you know, and you just, you're at the end of the road. You know, we all know what it's like to be at the end of our road, and this is where the disciples are. They're stuck in a room completely at the end of their rope. Jesus knows that his guys, his friends, he knows that they're a little lost, they're a little confused, they're a little sad, a little mad, a little, all, all kinds of things going on. He knows that they're in Jerusalem, and they think they're at a dead end, but Jesus shows up to these women, Shows up to the women on the road, and he has a message for them, and I wonder if maybe it's a message for you as well when you feel like you're at a dead end. He has a message for his disciples, he has a message for you that when you think you're at a dead end, it's simple, you're not. You're not. You're not at the dead end. There's more to the story. He He wants his disciples to know, I know that you saw me die, and I said it's finished, but you need to know that it's not over. There's more to the story. You think you have nowhere to go. You think this is the end of the road. You think the ship has sailed on this whole thing that you've given your life to. You think it's all over, but it's not over. I want you to know that you can't stay where you are. You need to not be where you are doing the thing that you're doing. You can't stay in Jerusalem mourning what you think is lost. You've got to go to Galilee. You've got to go to Galilee. You got to go to Galilee. When you're at the end of the road, when there's nowhere else to go, you got to go. You got to go. You got to keep going. This message, it's, it's not over, and I need you to go. I need you to go to Galilee. We're talking a lot about Galilee. None of us live in Galilee, as far as I'm understanding it. What's the deal with Galilee? You still in Matthew 28? Talking a lot about Galilee. What's the big deal? Why do they need to go to Galilee? Can you turn one page back to Matthew 26? If you turn one page back to Matthew 26, uh, we're going to pick up a story here uh, where Galilee is mentioned again, and it begins to bring some significance to Jesus' instruction. You've got to go to Galilee. In Matthew 26, uh, leading up to what we're about to read, Jesus is having the Last Supper, uh, as, as we hear it, where we get communion, pretty famous meal in our world. He's having his last meal with his best friends. He's having, he's having dinner with them. They, they, they do communion. He makes all these promises to them. And then they get up and they leave where they're having dinner. They go to a place called the Mount of Olives. And Jesus has this conversation with them here in verse 30 of Matthew 26. It says, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. Curveball. Not what I was expecting. You will all fall away Because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after this, I, but after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Say Galilee. I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you this very night before the rooster crows, you actually will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing. 
They've had dinner together. Jesus knows what's coming. He's having these final moments with his disciples, and he basically begins to unfold before they unfold for them the events that are about to happen. He says, um, I'm going to be struck, you know, like I'm the shepherd. I'm going to be struck. You guys are all going to run. I'm going to die, but then I'm going to be raised up. And when that happens, I want you to go to Galilee. And Peter's like, I'll never run away. And Jesus is like, yes, you will. You're going to deny me three times. And then basically, so he, he tells them everything that's going to happen before it happens. After all of this that I'm telling you is going to happen, happens. It's going to be confusing. There's a lot of aspects to it. You're going to go through a lot of emotions. But after I'm raised up, you got to go to Galilee. Told them what's going to happen. It all happens. But Matthew 28 comes around. And between 26 and 28, everything that Jesus said has happened, or everything that Jesus said was going to happen, happens. But they haven't kept up their end of the bargain. They haven't gone to Galilee. Even though it's gone down just like Jesus said it was going to go down, they're sitting in a room by themselves, not in Galilee, wondering what to do next. At dinner, just a few hours before everything happens, he tells them, you're all going to desert me. Things are going to get crazy. I'm going to die. I'm going to tell you it's finished. But when I say it's finished, believe it's not over. I'm going to be raised up. And when I'm raised up, you got to go to Galilee. Do you see it? Do you see what the big deal is about, about Galilee? See, I, I think there's something in Galilee about God that I don't want us to miss. I, I love this about Jesus. He is, he's, he's so good because before they even deserted him, he restored relationship with them. Before they even deserted him, he told them, just, we'll meet it back up. We'll meet back up. Before they killed him, it's okay. I'm going to raise, I'm going to be raised. Before they even killed him, he told them he'd be raised up. Before they even doubted him, he told them exactly where to go to find him. Before they could even look back with regret, he called them ahead to restoration. That's the beauty of Galilee. I know you think I can't see you, but like three people wrote that down. You should write it down because you need that in your life. Before they could even look back in regret, before you could ever look back in regret on your life, Jesus calls you ahead to restoration. He calls you ahead to restoration. On the first of these 50, the first of these 50 more days, Jesus has one huge point that he wants to make. It's day one. He just got resurrected. And the first thing he wants to make sure you and I know every day is God is faithful. He is faithful. When you're not faithful. These guys were not faithful. They ditched him when he needed him most. They weren't keeping up their end of the bargain. But Jesus was. He's got this point to make for 50 days that when you aren't faithful, when you turn your back, when, when, when you forget what Jesus has promised, when, when you said that you were going to be faithful again, and when you said you'd never do it again, when you said, oh, I've got it this time, I'll never leave you, I'll never do that thing again, I've got it under control this time, and you still went back and did it again, he was faithful. Even when all that was going down, when you're discouraged, when you're broken, when you're hopeless and you're scared, when you don't know which way is up and down, he's faithful. He's faithful. When you don't know where God is, he's not saying a thing. 
and it's just you in a dark room, maybe with some friends wondering the same thing, and it feels like God just dragged you around for three years for nothing, he's faithful. He's faithful. He is faithful. These 50 days matter because for your every day, God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful for you. When it is all finished, it is not over. You got to go to Galilee. You got to go to Galilee. Not only does God make a way when there is no way. You ever heard that before in church? Everybody gets, that's, that's when everybody's supposed to, it's like programmed into church people. If you say, how many of you for God made a way when there was no way? You're supposed to, everybody gets up and dances, you know, it's like. But not only did he make a way when there was no way, he made a way before there was no way. Don't get distracted by how much you screwed up along the way. Because before you could screw the way up, he made a way. He's faithful. He's faithful. He calls them to Galilee before they desert him. What happens is he knows when he meets these women on the road, he knows that they're distracted. He knows that they're stuck in the crucifixion. They're stuck in the crucifixion, and so they missed the resurrection. And when they missed the resurrection, they forgot all about his instruction. I think we can do this. We can get stuck in our own lives, and we miss what God is doing, and we forget that he promised it all the way along. You got to go to Galilee. I know that sometimes, sometimes you want to quit, right? Sometimes. Sometimes you want to quit. You wish you had more answers. You wish you could understand some more. You wish, you wish, you wish, or you get discouraged, all these sorts of things, and they make you want to stop and sit in a dark room and say, well, now what do we do? I guess it's all over. He is faithful. And you got to remember the last thing he said, we got to go to Galilee. We got to go to Galilee. Don't get stuck where you are and miss what God is doing. We can't get stuck in where we are in the disappointment and the confusion and the lack of answers. They're all good questions. I'm not saying they're bad questions. We just can't get stuck in them so much so that we miss what God's doing. We can't get stuck in where we are and forget about what he's promised us. We got to go to Galilee. There's more. He's calling you forward. Why did Jesus need him to go to Galilee, though? He makes a way, and that's encouraging, but it gets even better. Turn back to Matthew 28, in verse 16 through 20. He says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He calls them to Galilee. And he meets them in Galilee. In other accounts, I want you to not miss this. In other accounts, he does show up to them kind of along the way. But he's still trying to get them to Galilee. And I want to hit one point real quick. that This shows me that in your place of pain, Jesus will always meet you there, but he won't keep you there. Your place of pain, it's okay. And God's going to come and he's going to meet you there. But that doesn't mean we miss out on Galilee. He's going to meet you along the way, but we got to go. We got to go. We got to go to Galilee because... It was in Galilee where they got their calling. When they got to Galilee, they got their calling. Why was Jesus calling them forward? Because it wasn't over. 
He didn't want them to live in their pain forever. He wanted to give them a calling. Not just restoration, but a calling to go forward. I hope you want to go to Galilee this morning. Out of your place of pain, out of your discouragement, into the calling of God. That's what these 50 days are all about. We've got a few more minutes left, and I'm going to go through this pretty quickly. Can I give you three places where you can get stuck that aren't Galilee? Does anybody want to be somebody who lives going to Galilee? Anybody? Okay, a couple people. So for those of you who want to go, can I tell you some, some places that you can get stuck along the way? Because I don't want you to get stuck. Just like Jesus doesn't want you stuck. The first place that you can get stuck that isn't Galilee is Gethsemane. First place you can get stuck is Gethsemane. The last time all these disciples were with Jesus was at Gethsemane. It was their last memory with Jesus and being all together. And what was their last memory? Running. Leaving him. Deserting him like they said they would never do. What I mean by getting stuck in Gethsemane is, is that you can't get stuck in who you've been and miss out on who God's calling you to be. They got stuck. We're the guys that deserted him. And Jesus didn't even know, you're the guys I'm calling. You can't get stuck in what you've done and miss out what God's calling you to do. I'll put it this way. You know you're stuck in Gethsemane when your failure tells you you're disqualified from your future. That's how you'll know that you're stuck in Gethsemane. Stuck looking back on what coulda, shoulda, woulda been. What you should have done, what you didn't do, what you wish you would have done differently, what you're trying to undo. That's how you know you're stuck in Gethsemane. And your failures are telling you that you're disqualified from your future. There's two guys that got stuck in Gethsemane. The first one is Peter. Earlier again, back in Matthew 26, we read it before. Jesus says, actually, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. He says, I'll never do it. I'd rather die. I'd rather die than desert you. The end of chapter 26, we read the account that actually Peter did exactly that. Denies him three times before the sun ever rises. In verse 75, uh, the Bible says that he had just finished denying Jesus for the third time. The rooster crows is the signal to him that he had done what he said he would never do. And he goes outside and he says he weeps bitterly. I hate that feeling. You ever been that disappointed? That discouraged? It's like that hot cry where the tears burn and you're just like mad and sad and frustrated. That's what Peter is doing. That's the last time he looked at Jesus was when he looked him in the eyes right after he deserted him the third time. That's a, the hot cry that gets you stuck in your shame. But on this day one of these 50 days, Jesus needed to get a message to Peter. He needed to get a message to Peter that he had failed him in Gethsemane, but he was still called to Galilee. He needed him to know that even in your failure, you have a future. It's not that you're not going to fail. You're not going to catch Jesus off guard when you fail. It's just that before you failed, he still called you to the future. Even in your failures, you have a future. It's going to get you out of Gethsemane. That's what Peter needed to know. Another guy that got stuck in Gethsemane was a guy named Judas, the guy who denies Jesus, sells him to his accusers for 30 pieces of silver. 
What's amazing about the story of Judas is not only do you have a future despite your own failures, but you have a future despite everybody else's failure too. Peter failed Jesus. Judas failed Jesus. But not even their failures could keep Jesus from doing what he came to do. And there's probably some ways that you've been failed Either you have failed or somebody's failed you, and sometimes our failures feel like they're costing us our future. Maybe it was something you did or didn't do, or it was your mom or your dad or some relationship or some business. It was a failure, and you've been holding on to it, and it's been that thing that always comes up in your mind whenever there's hope for the future, and it's like, no, but remember your failure. Whether it was your failure or somebody else's failure, you still have a future. Jesus used Judas's failure to play right into what he was actually trying to do. I'm not saying it's good that people hurt you, but God can use it. I'm not saying it's good that you failed on this way or that way or all those sorts of things, but God can use it. Because before you failed him, he called you to a future. Don't get stuck in Gethsemane. He has a future for you, but where we get stuck is we think the future is found back in Gethsemane, but it's ahead in Galilee. We can't be always going back trying to fix everything we can't fix. We got to go ahead into what God's calling us to. Amen? Amen. Gethsemane. Number two, the second place you can get stuck is Golgotha. Golgotha. Golgotha, this is the hill where Jesus is crucified. He reveals to us the, the depth of the destruction of our own sin but also the depth by which he paid our sin. And we can't get stuck at the cross. Sounds interesting. But I need you to know that the glory of the cross isn't just that Jesus got on it for you. It's that he got off of it for you. That's the glory of the cross is that Jesus isn't on it anymore. And sometimes we can get stuck living our lives trying to pay for this sin that Jesus already paid for, got off the cross and said, I left that behind. It's time for you to leave it behind too. And we get stuck at the cross trying to crucify ourselves. See, the Jews were coming out of this system of repetitive sacrifices. Hebrews chapter 10 puts it this way in verse 1. For since the law was but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered, you ever felt like that? The same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near. It can't do it. Otherwise, they would have ceased to be offered, since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. They were coming out of a system of continual sacrifices, and the sacrifices were supposed to be a reminder of sin. But the purpose of the cross is not to be a reminder of sin. Sacrifices remind you of your sin, but the cross serves as a reminder of your salvation. The glory of the cross is not that we get stuck in, oh, I'm such a wretched sinner, though that was true. You're supposed to see the value that God put on you by which he paid for you. It's not a reminder, oh, I'm a sinner. It's a reminder of I've been made a saint. Now I got to go. God's highest concern for you is not who you have been. It's who he has purchased you to be. And we got to not get stuck at Golgotha. Sometimes we can try hanging ourselves on the cross with guilt. And 
instead of going ahead to Galilee. We got to go. We got to go to Galilee. Jesus didn't stay in Galgotha, and I don't want you to either. He went ahead to Galilee, and he's calling you to come with him. Amen? Number three, the grave. Third place we can get stuck, the grave, as we wrap up our time together. This also might sound crazy, but I think sometimes we can get stuck in the last thing that God did, and we miss the next thing God's doing. It's interesting to me that Jesus didn't tell the women, hey, go back and tell the disciples to come back here and celebrate with me. He never called them back to the grave. He said, I need them to go ahead to Galilee. Even at the empty grave, Jesus didn't want them to get stuck in the last thing they did and miss the thing he had called them to. God's always doing something. He's always doing something. And sometimes we can get stuck thinking about the last thing. We get satisfied with the testimonies of the past. And we forget that there's more. We get satisfied with just a little bit. But God's calling us ahead to be hungry for more. We can't get stuck at the grave. We've got to go ahead to Galilee. We've got to go to Galilee. He didn't call them back to the grave. He called them ahead to Galilee. And he's calling you ahead to Galilee. That's what these 50 days are all about. That's what these 50 days are all about. Jesus raising from the grave and calling you ahead to more. To more, to more, to more. Can you stand up this morning as we finish our time together? As we begin these seven weeks together, I hope that this can set a tone for us that we're going to be a people who go. We're people who go to Galilee. We're not going to get stuck in Gethsemane trying to pay for and undo all the things that we are trying to to undo and the things we're ashamed of. We're not going to get stuck at Golgotha and miss the fact that the cross, yes, it is a revelation of our sin, but it's a reminder of our salvation. And we can't even get stuck at the grave to say, oh man, the last thing God did is the best thing he's ever going to do. It's not true. He's calling you ahead. He's calling you ahead to Galilee. There's nothing that can disqualify you. Not your failures, nothing. 50 more days, 50 more days, because Jesus wants you to know he's not done with your life. And this is the whole point of these 50 days, that when you become a Christian, it's not, you don't just arrive somewhere at a destination, he's inviting you into a life walking with him. Amen? I'm gonna pray for us as we end our time. We're gonna sing one more song together, but we wanna be the people who respond this morning. Every week when we end our time together, we try to just leave a, leave a space to say, okay, Holy Spirit, how do I respond to the word that you've spoken this morning? I don't just want to hear it, I want to do it. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never actually decided to follow Jesus. And that needs to be your first step. I'm, I'm in. I've been stuck in all my stuff and I just need to follow Jesus. I need to give him my life. Maybe you've gone away and you need to recommit to following him this morning. But maybe, maybe you're a Christian and you realize this morning you're stuck in an area of your life or all the way around, a little bit, a lot, you're stuck in one of these three places. And it's time to let what's finished be finished. And it's time to step in what's not over. And it's time to go ahead to Galilee. So I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes as I pray for us this morning. We're gonna worship together. I'm gonna ask two questions though before I pray so I can pray for you. I wanna pray for you this morning. Is there anybody here, if if you're here this morning, you've never decided to follow Jesus and you're hearing about this Jesus and you say, I want to follow him. I, I need a new life this morning. If that's you, why don't you go ahead and raise your hand right now.
Anybody who's, who wants to follow Jesus or you've walked away and it's time to come back. Okay, awesome. So if you're here this morning and you're realizing as we're going through one of these areas, I've been stuck. And I need to just let Jesus pay for what's paid for and I need to step in to it. And I wanna be a person this morning to go to Galilee. If you're here this morning and you're saying there's an area of my life where I need to get up off my seat and go to Galilee, I want you to go ahead and raise your hand this morning. There's something in your life right now you know you need to leave behind. Amen, amen. Keep your hands raised. Awesome. Those of you raising your hand, I want you to put your hand over your heart as I pray for you right now and begin to worship. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you, God, for these 50 days these 50 amazing days, God, to get the message across to us that there's still more. And God, I ask for everybody here stuck in Gethsemane, Lord, that we would trust you, that we would hear your voice this morning telling us that before we left you, you made a way back. Lord, I pray freedom over every person who's been kept by a failure this morning in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for everybody here who's this morning saying, I'm stuck in Golgotha. I can't get over the fact of my sin. I can't get over how wretched I am. Lord, I pray that they would see your eyes on the cross this morning. Pray they'd see you come down off of the cross and give them a hug and tell them that it's paid for. A new identity, a new creation, Lord. And I pray for anybody here who's stuck at the grave, Lord. Stuck at the grave saying, we've seen the most that can happen. God's already done everything he can do. I ask hunger in Jesus' name into every heart this morning for more for more, for more. And would we be a people who go to Galilee, God? Would we go to Galilee? I pray this morning, right now, Holy Spirit, we'd hear your voice, we'd hear your invitation to leave where we'd been, leave it all behind, and go into the calling that you have for us in Galilee, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's worship together as we celebrated Jesus who invites us into more.